to me, I think that's where all the really interesting stuff is going to come mm. from. Is is this idea, th- this whole like winner take all thing that has happened right on the internet? Yeah, uh, wasn't hadn't happened yet, right? Um, Things were a lot more distributed. This was back in the days when people would talk about the internet as like, oh, it's like a new democracy. Yeah, like everybody has a yep. voice. And now we realize yep. like six people have a voice. Scotch. <laughs> 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 Hey everybody, welcome to episode 220 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I am. I'm Sam and I'm feeling punchy. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is, it's just August 26th. Good day. 2019. Regular old day. It's good to throw in a benchmark here and there just so people can get a sense roughly of, of what where the, the hell the date is. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta just every maybe five, six episodes, yep. just bring, bring it back mm-hmm. in. People are like, okay, I know where I am now. It's like yeah. mile markers on the highway. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Otherwise, you're just seeing corn and trees. Where you just are. Corn. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning. Swears. We're going to have them. They're going to be everywhere. I think I already dropped one on accident before you got to that. Yeah. So go back, go back, pick that up. Pre-warning. I didn't even notice. Exactly. Time is a loop. <laughs> the past is the present. Present is past. Don't worry about it. Uh, also, we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net who help us keep our mic tubes filled with sound juice. Yep. Thank you very and much. And also thanks to everybody who leaves reviews and tells other people about this podcast existing. Speaking of, go do that some more. Yeah, yeah. do more of it. Please, right. please If you've already left one, make things. a new account. Leave another one. Boom. That's legal. Sock puppets. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about life. I want to talk about the coastline paradox. What is that? Okay, so I think Adam knows what it is. Yeah. Sam, you- I have no well, this, idea. Because this dovetails nicely with the whole you don't get to know anything. Yes. Philosophy. Okay. And, and also it kind of it kind of maps nicely onto the Dunning Kruger yeah. issue as well. Okay. So it's about knowledge. Okay. Uh or metaphorically. But realistically, it's about measuring things. Yeah. Which is uh it's a philosophy of science, bro. Which is if someone were to ask you, how many miles of coastline does the United States have? The answer is nobody fucking knows. Mm, okay. Nobody has any idea how long the coastline of anything is. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is that as you zoom in, there's more wiggly shapes, right? So depending on how far out you're zoomed on the map or depending on how you've mapped it, you, you like, let's say you're going to draw a line on the coastline, right? So you're going to like draw some curves and stuff like that. And you could technically treat that line like a piece of thread, right? right. And you could kind of like pull straight it, up, pull it straight it. and measure it, right? Got it. Now- if you zoom in a little farther, there's more wiggly lines, which means it's longer. Yep. Okay. So then you zoom in more and it's even longer. But isn't it the case that it's essentially like a differential equation where you're – as you get closer – No. Because no. it's only true for, for things with a defined – with a predefined pattern. Right. Because as you're zooming in, you're actually getting – you're just getting more precision, which means you're actually, you have more length. Yeah. Like it's not, mm. it's not that you're becoming more accurate necessarily. You're just getting more length. Yeah, it gets right. longer and longer the closer you look. Yeah, so that because there are curves that you didn't see before that now you right. see. Yeah, right. And so now you just so so it's like you know if you have a if you want to do a simple analogy if like okay if you had a, a map of the U.S. and you just drew straight lines like right. like four big straight lines to make sort of like a trapezoid shape and it's like okay that's you can measure that right and then if you cut those lines in half and tried to contour it a little bit more. Then now you've got a little bit longer of a of a mm-hmm. coastline, right? And then you just keep cutting those lines in half and it just keeps getting longer, right? So it's crazy because the numbers get really ridiculous as the precision goes up. Well, like, my question is so how much longer does it get? Like does it get meaningfully longer? It yeah. goes up to infinity. Exactly. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because think like every pebble and every rock on the coast affects the coastline's yeah. shape, sure. right? But even within that rock, there are grooves. 
okay. and nooks and <laughs> yeah. crannies. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, but you can also, because this is, it's easier to understand in, in this scope because you're already talking about a wiggly thing, right? But yeah. it's also true of like a table, which is a rectangle, you think, right? But the you closer think. you zoom, the closer <laughs> what, you is zoom in, the closer you zoom in on any part of it, the less rectangular it becomes, right? Because now it's got a jaggedy edges. It's got jagged edges. It's got, sure. Yep. And so, because this the when the philosophy of science we're talking about measuring things, one of the one of the core principles there is that you cannot you cannot measure you cannot uh, you have cannot, a one to one correspondence between a measurement and an actual thing. Right. It's literally impossible for exactly this reason, which is the closer you zoom in, the more precise your measurement system gets, and the longer it is. The more, well, also <laughs> the more, the more you learn about how much you still cannot measure yet, right? Yeah. So, which yeah. is a great, it's a great metaphor for, like you said, for for what it really means to like reach a point of of understanding about something, which is you reach that moment where you realize you don't know a damn thing about it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because every time you zoom mm. in, every time you learn a little bit more, all you do is you expose things that you – There's just more problems. Yeah, there's just more problems. Now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But of course, if you're zoomed out really far, meaning, looks- meaning you don't know anything. Yeah. Right? This, is also, <laughs> this is also why anybody who says learning about science takes the mystery and magic out of the world is just is wrong. full of shit because, <laughs> yeah. because there's no – like, we we don't know anything. We just don't you're saying know basically anything. it's a fractal. So like as yeah. you get closer, yeah. then you're just like, oh my there's god, just more. there's more. Yeah, every yeah. single there, time. There's no end to how much stuff there is to mm-hmm. to know because you can never measure a thing with complete accuracy. Yeah. So if you've ever if you ever reach that point, or maybe if you're starting at that point where you think like, yeah, I under I I get this. Like you're I understand. Just wrong. You just haven't looked close enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been comfortably zoomed out. Yeah, because you can't be right about that. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. That's wild. It's impossible. It's impossible to be correct. It was interesting too because we've we've had few we've had a few circumstances where when we picked up a new tool, so we used a uh, spine actually to do some test animation on the Baconweed Ferry back when we were working on Crashlands, which is this hideous boss that had wings and a bunch of moving parts. And at the time, it was interesting because we were like, okay, let's you know we want to try pushing the animation a bit further just on these bosses so they're a little more lively and weird. And I remember that what happened was um, where the previous bosses took I don't know like maybe a couple of days to get fully implemented. The bacon weed fairy took a couple of days just to animate yeah. uh, as opposed to that. And essentially what it was is that as our capabilities grew on that animation side, it didn't save us any time at all, actually. Because yeah, you know we went deeper into this yeah. into this fractal of like Yeah. But this know, is this fidelity. is actually another phenomenon. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it it relates to the it's idea an economics that law. Well, it relates to the idea that you can't, for example, improve the flow of traffic in a city by widening the roads. Yes. Because all that happens is people are like, dang, that road, they're, they're widening that road. I'm going to start taking that route. Or mm-hmm. because the roads are clear, people buy cars because it seems like commuting is now a viable yep. option and now the roads are clogged up again. Basic right? rule is that the more of a resource you have, the more of a resource you use. Yeah. Is essentially yeah. What yeah. This yeah. is also why, you know, it, it's if you look back in the 19, uh, like 20s and 30s, economists and mm-hmm. and uh, researchers were, were predicting that that the work week would sl- would just like slowly decline over time, right? And that like, oh, by the time you reach the year 2000, people are working for 10, 15 hours a week and then they just have the rest of the time for leisure time because they're going to be able to get all the same amount of stuff done now. Mm. Uh, it is weird they didn't think we would just do more stuff. Yeah. It we was just- such a bizarre <laughs> prediction, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. But I mean, that's- historically, when was that ever true? Well, but that, it, I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there was, there was nothing magic about like the 50s where we were on the cusp because yeah. like, you, you go back another hundred years, and like and now we're in the industrial revolution, and you know, like there there have been times all yeah, and then when the industrial revolution happened, everyone actually started working like sixteen hour yeah. days. Yeah. It's not it's not in human nature to be like, wait, 
we have all the things we need. Yeah. We're let's good. Just, uh, let's, just let's just stop doing yeah. stuff. Yeah. That has literally never happened. Interesting. Uh, so anyway. It's, it's also not just, in our social structures either, right? Because like, cause it, you can't do that in a, in a society like the United States because – you don't have a safety net. Yeah. So you don't like you can't chill. There there's there's no incentive to chill because you, you never know. Yeah, well it's not even about out competing, it's about making sure you build up enough of a nest egg that you can survive in a disaster scenario. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, so of course, of course you're gonna you're gonna work hard more and more. Like the more hours you have available, the more the more efficient you are, you're just gonna try to get a larger paycheck out of that. That's yeah. the only rational move that you can make. Yeah, I, mean, I think we think about this a lot because I've made a, a couple more friends who are <clears throat> our age who are also like you know, trying to run their own businesses, whatever else. And it's becoming more interesting and, and a little more horrifying, the fact that all of us are working so much. And I'm like, what? Why? What are we, what are we what doing? doing? What are we working what are we, toward? Yeah, well, what's happening here? Meanwhile, and, the whole earth is on fire. Yeah, and so much of it is like, <laughs> there's no, because there's no mechanism for everyone to be able to rest, mm-hmm. basically, then you're just always caught in this like, well, I, I just need to be doing stuff. Otherwise, if anything bad ever happens, then I'm doomed, you know? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, let's go. So, <laughs> let's get it going. This is the world we have decided that we all must live in. We've all agreed. So here, here we are. <laughs> here it's, we just, are. it's just like we talked about a while back about what the fuck is even going on. Yeah. You know, we've all just kind of agreed like we're monkeys with clothes on. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're all doing it. We've all agreed. Uh, so yeah, anyway, we're all just a bunch of monkeys being mean to each other. Speaking yeah. of which, we played Ark over the weekend. Yes. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of being a bunch of naked monkeys. <laughs> uh, so this was, I, I played it a little bit for like an hour before this to kind of learn the game a little bit. And so I didn't have much exposure. And then Sam, this was your first time. Yeah, I just jumped ever in. Ever yeah. playing it. So I think my favorite moment was, was every time we died, we kept spawning further east. Yeah. It always okay. puts you further away from where you It were. always puts you further away in the same direction. So this sort of like death spiral starts to happen where you you start spawning just far enough away that it's now dangerous to come back to camp, yeah. right? And importantly, when you die, all your stuff is left on your body. Yeah, so you you so you come back, you're naked now, yep. right? So all what your it, progress gone. Yeah, so and if you, you want to go get it back, but but wherever wherever your body was is was now surrounded by something bad, yeah. something that killed you, right? So so you'll spawn further east and you run back, and now you've got to run past the thing that killed you while you had a, actual equipment and yep. Yep. decent you know, gear and now you're naked. So now you got to run through this dangerous area that you couldn't handle before, get through that and go back to your base, except you're not going to make it. So you die. Mm-hmm. Then you spawn further east. Now you got to run past even more dangerous stuff yep. and the thing that killed you, et cetera, et cetera. So this happened. I think I died 12 times. Sam probably about the same. Lot, yeah. And <laughs> we just kept, up with so it. we kind of like death migrated to the east and eventually, Sam, Sam was, just started Sam was like, fuck it. I'm just building it. <laughs> this is where I live this now. This is like a good, good, good camp. Yeah. So Sam just starts building this camp on this beach. And uh, Adam and Jenny and I are over there try, are trying to figure out how to get over to Sam. And I will say, it was a very tranquil place. It was, was very calm. Like, for literally, I think, 40 minutes or so while you guys were trying to figure out how to get over, I was just chilling, just like collecting just, stuff, building the base. It was a good spot. Nothing bad happened. Yeah. So Until later. So meanwhile- Until until you guys showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the three of us are trying to get over there, trying to get over to Sam's base. We can't get there. Eventually, we die enough times that we just end up over there too because, yep. you know, that's where – Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, my final respawn, I just like looked off in the distance and there Sam was on the bench. <laughs> He's just waiting. Hello. Hey! <laughs> uh, so something about all of us sort of slowly dragging an army of murdered dinosaurs mm-hmm. to the east. Well, I will say Seth showed up and was like, help! <laughs> I was like, oh no! I was being attacked on my way. So I run over and start punching this dinosaur and then the dinosaur blinds me and knocks me out. Seth kills it and then drags my body back to the <laughs> fire. So I'm unconscious in the safe. game. I'm safe. Yeah, so my body's just next to it. So I can see like the silhouette of Seth's legs. Although we learned that you can feed each other stim berries to wake to wake Ooh, people back up, which is pretty funny. You just like, did at the time, but drop yeah. it in their mouth. While yeah. So so that's that was sort of the entry for for Seth arriving, and then everybody else for some reason brought birds with them. Yeah. And these are like these are just demon seagulls of the past, and they steal your shit. So so like yeah, we, I, we had a, a little bit of food and like a couple of spears, and these birds kept swooping down and stealing our food right out of our inventory. And so we were slowly starving to death. <laughs> they were killing us. Yeah. And we were, and they like, they just peck you once. And, and they do, do a little damage. Do a little too. bit of damage, like just enough to piss you off, yeah. you know? And so then we're like trying to build spears. Like I finally got a spear made and it's bird swooping down. I go to, I go to poke it. It just takes my spear. <laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. They knock your spear out. They knock your, your spear out. Yeah. So eventually we got was, the bird. We took out the bird. Yeah, it was a race to build a bow. So Adam and I both ran away from the base where this flock of seagulls yep. had descended upon us, and then rapidly built some bows and arrows, and then started just plunking them full of <laughs> stuff. But they took so many bolts. I was like, well, we "How was this bird?" Miss Lux, it's very hard to hit a yeah, target with a bow. Hard. Yeah, and then hard. and then I got I made a bola. And pulled one down from the sky. We just stabbed it to death. Yeah. Like, it's the most satisfying <laughs> murder I think I've ever executed. It's really now and now. So Jane and I continued playing over the weekend. So we played for several hours mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, actually, quite a few. And then yeah. Sunday, Jen, my wife and I played again. Uh, and we're not at the point where we have crossbows. And because of those birds, because of just the experience we've had, and because of piranhas, I I never miss an opportunity to murder those. <laughs> Doesn't matter what they're you just doing. See it, you're like, I know what I yeah. know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm just like, devil bird, devil yeah, bird. I just gotta get rid of them. Yeah, I think my favorite part was uh, actually in the in the evening. So so I had left for dinner, and then I came back, and of course, apparently Seth had brought a giant raptor to our little fledgling base. I mean, oh, I had nothing to do with it. It, I'm it sure had been migrating did. its way south, mm. so like it it was just coming. Okay, and then yeah. at some point, it was close enough that it was a it was a problem, and yeah. so. So then we had to figure out how we were like, well, we're going to have to kill it because there's no, it's going to be here. It's mm-hmm. going to be here. And, and, <laughs> uh, and so we, we just, we, st- we stocked up on just infinite arrows. We were just like ready to go. And then it was, it was weirdly just like attacking, I think one of our corpses or something, but for some reason forever, it was just kind of over there, just like attacking this corpse. Perfect. Let, let it be. bugged out. So, yeah. so then we came over and we were trying to like find a way because our plan was to get back on top of our house and like shoot it from above. Um, so we came out and you then know, with the high ground, with the high ground, yeah. but we got to get the high ground. Yeah. But I know there's, only, I think the Alpha Raptor can actually jump one story. We learned later. So I don't know if no, that, that might not have worked then. Uh, but we, uh, so <laughs> but we, had, we had a plan anyway. And so we're like getting ready to do it. And then, so then I shoot it with, with the first arrow, like right in the head and it doesn't even move. It's like still just attacking. Oh, and you're like, perfect. Thing. It's bugged. Yeah, exactly. So then we just start filling it with arrows and like, we're just, we've shot it easily 30 times by at that point. Each. And then finally, it seems to realize that it's like, wait, it got seconds. unbugged a little bit. Yeah. And so it started running, but then it got stuck up against a log because you guys had so many opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> this, to go well. this game, this game is so buggy. Yeah. It is like the, it is just a bug riddled mm-hmm. nightmare, but they work to your advantage in a lot of occasions. And so this thing is just kind of stuck up against this log. And so we're going to just fill it with arrows. And then at some point it kind of discovers that it's stuck or whatever moment of lucidity and it it, it runs back and then kind of starts coming around the boulder. It's like, now we know 
it's coming. It's you. finally coming. We've, we've hit this thing easily with 70 bolts, but and I, and I've been, and I ran out of arrows cause I've just filled it with arrows. And then I started slingshotting rocks. I'm just like picking yeah. up rocks off the beach. <laughs> Anything. Like, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but yeah, but then, then it was not bugged anymore. And, and it was still alive. And it killed all And of it us. killed all of us. <laughs> so, yeah, so I came back. And then it just is like on our house now. Yeah. So I came back post dinner and I had put my body in, in the house and your body just is there. So if you if you log out, you're just still in there. Yeah. You right. can still die. And so I come back and they're like, by the way. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. You know, you had the base you built. Uh, it, there's raptors involved. I was like, okay. So wake up. And it's like it's like a freaking horror scene from Jurassic Park because <laughs> the house is on these little stilts, and I'm on this little depressed area where we put a little fire pit, and so I can see the little legs of both this tiny raptor and this big ass raptor walking walk around, around out there, and they're shrieking. <laughs> um, and then I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? I get my bow ready and I shoot the little raptor in the foot, and then it like loses its mind and starts attacking the house. And so I go, and it's basically clipping through the wall because again, it's buggy as fuck. Yep. And so, you so see its head like poking through. Yeah, but as it clips through the wall, then I just stab it in the face. And so I managed to kill it. <laughs> I kill that one, which is great. And it's funny, you read a lot of a lot of the strategies. My wife and I were just looking up kind of how to do some things. You know, and a lot of the strategies are just bug-based. It's just, yeah. it's, well, I don't know how you would win otherwise. Well, frankly. I think that's the general consensus too. It's like you can't kill these dinosaurs unless you could like exploit yeah. a bug. But this the, is how ancient humans did it. Absolutely. They just tried to find all the way, all the bugs. And, it's like running buffalo off a cliff. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? It's like, yeah, it turns out they'll just keep running. Yeah, crazy. Somebody didn't design this properly. So the, the <laughs> alpha raptor then busts in and just murders me. But um, we, we respawn elsewhere, start getting a second base built. And uh, my favorite part of probably the evening was I saw a pterodactyl and I was super excited because it came down. And usually they're just like flying around. They're huge, right? And I was like, I mean, as a kid, pterodactyls are amazing. I've always wanted to ride a pterodactyl. Like, and, Yeah, and they do have pterodactyl saddles. Yeah. And I was like, okay, clearly this is a, this is a sign, you know, from, from on high. And so I get a bola, make a bola, throw it on this pterodactyl, club it, and somehow like manage to survive this whole ordeal. And the pterodactyl's down and I start feeding it stuff, start taming it, taming bars going up. I'm like, this is going well. It's going great, in fact. But I'm by the beach. And as I'm like about 20% into this taming ritual, this huge crocodile, like 30 feet long, <laughs> comes roaring out of the water and just starts eating the pterodactyl that's unconscious on the ground that I'm taming. <laughs> and I just start screaming. I'm like, no, no. And so I have this little pet dinosaur with me. I just start firing this thing full of, full of bolts. Um, and and Jay and I can hear him over, over VoIP yelling about this whole scenario. <laughs> like, Get off of you. <laughs> and he's like, come help me kill this, kill this crocodile. And you're like, nope, we're going to just hang out right where we nope. are. But I did kill it. Yeah. Which is very exciting. Nice. And then I knew, which is also one of those human things where you're like, I am now the predator. Like, <laughs> I, I, I find you. you I'm know. the captain. Now. You, you're like your little naked human body with yep. your tiny spear. But it did eat the pterodactyl, so I didn't get to take well, damn, but The whole experience is just utterly ridiculous. But it did, it led me, it led me to this really interesting uh, insight, which in thinking about crafting games, um, I think it's really important, which is that the the depth of the simulation of the world you're in is equivalent to how interesting your crafting system can be. Hmm. So Ark is very uh, interesting in that there's the sim is intense, right? You have all these dinosaurs running around. They have all sorts of behaviors. And you can also, once you tame them, you can set various behaviors as well. Um, you can tell them whether or not like, yeah, you can, you guys can mate now. Or like, yeah, you just stay in the house. You know, basically those are kind of, the, you can do all sorts of things to them. And then on top of that, you know, the, the dinosaurs are interacting out in the world. There's heat and cold happening. And so you have to be careful with your body temperature and stuff. There's just a lot of pieces. And so as a result, then the crafting system can plug into these various pieces to do interesting things, right? So you can build stimulants. So if your friend gets knocked out, because again, it's part of the sim, uh, then you can feed them stims to wake them mm -hmm. back up. Uh, if a creature is slowly coming back and trying to be more conscious as you're trying to tame it, you can basically jack it full of these Narco sleeping berries. Narco berries, right? 
Uh, and then on top of that, you can build all sorts of just weird stuff that you wouldn't just by hopping in the world, you wouldn't necessarily think that you could do. But it's it's directly the relation of that the depth of that sim to the crafting system that mm. makes it so rich and interesting. This is probably why survival and crafting tend to go they together. Always go together. Because yeah. of course, like if you're always starving to death, if you're getting sick, if you need to be warm, it's if a, lot of, a lot of room for crafting solutions. Yeah, because yes. yeah. now well, also it applies a constant time pressure to crafting because you got to yeah. harvest the stuff you got to build the mm-hmm. stuff you got to use it you got to build your base and it's a constant resource thing so that you just right. there's always something that you have to be doing right so yeah yeah and i think that's it was interesting because when we made crashlands we kept trying to explain to people that it's not a survival game yeah but it it would just perpetually be branded as a survival crafting yeah. game uh, or crafting survival whatever the the order is um just because of the fact that it had a crafting system yeah people just kind of couple those things and I think it, it makes a lot of sense, frankly. Like I, yeah. you know, at the time, we were like, "Well, I, I can't get why people can't separate these things." But now, after after really, I mean, frankly, after the experience of Ark and seeing just how much play they had with all these different systems, I mean, you, you would have you would have creatures like a dodo doesn't attack anything; you just club it and tame it, and then it just lays eggs and stuff, and you know, just kind of hangs out. Versus a creature like the Dilophosaur, which like has mm-hmm. a spitting venom thing that if it gets on your face, like blinds you and slows you down, but also blinds and slows down enemies. And you think about the you sim attached like Stegosaurus, which you can't, I don't think you can ride, but can carry an enormous amount of weight. Right. So people use them for caravans because they're like, they're super <laughs> armored, right? And so if you want to move between bases, because there's also a fast travel mechanism, you know, there's like, there's a, if you have a bed, then you can fast travel between them. But you always arrive naked. It's just like the Terminator, you know, you just like, <laughs> you arrive naked, <laughs> yeah. your stuff is left behind in a bag, right? Mm. And so so people basically have alternate sets of like armor and stuff at their different bases. But a lot of what you have to do is you basically because in the in the normal so we're playing on a private server, um, but in the normal game, there's also other people you have to deal with. People which are, means you always want to be with your stuff. Which right? are far more dangerous. People than are the worst dinosaurs. Far more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and so so people basically apparently just build like caravans of like stegosauruses and triceratopses and stuff. So because each one can carry an enormous amount of weight and is like really hard to kill. Mm. And then everyone's like on the lookout constantly. There's people, you know, riding their like tyrannosaurs and velociraptors uh-huh. alongside the car- like, <laughs> So it's like pretty fucking epic. Well, I think it's interesting to think about is like in in the 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 ability then to differentiate all these different creatures along so many dimensions makes them actually feel really different. Yeah, right. Well, because so even the triceratops if, apparently, because a lot of creatures if you shoot them in like you hit them in the head and it does more damage, but triceratops that's the place you don't want to hit it because its head is a piece of armor basically. Right. right? Yeah. And so if you hit it with a spear in the head, you're probably going to break your spear. And right? Of course, it's always going to be facing you. Oh yeah. So like you're not going to be able to hit it on the other side <laughs> yeah. unless you have a buddy who is willing to just like be gored to death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you could poke it in the back or something. So it was yeah. a really interesting thing. And we even had a situation where like the you know, we had these dodos that we had captured and put in the house. And then one of them laid an egg. And I was like, oh, cool. We have egg for food. But then if you if you hover the, over the egg, it says egg health and incubation time. Yeah, so, sometimes some of the eggs are fertile when they come yeah. out. Yeah. And so it was a fertile egg. So if we just left that, they didn't have a little timer on it. So if we left that there mm-hmm. for like 50 minutes, we'd just get another dodo. Yep. But also there was a egg health and it just said too hot because mm-hmm. it was too close to the campfire. And I was like, this is – so cool. Like there's so much going on here where now yeah. like you can think about the crafting system that grows up around that. And it's like, okay, yeah, now you can build like an incubation chamber that, you know, modifies the heat level or whatever else and and all this stuff. And yeah. so – And all that just goes from really, the decision of like, what if things had temperatures? Yeah. And we yeah. just kind of made certain things yeah, need so the, temperature. Yeah, it was a very interesting from a design standpoint, um, which is really fun. It is, it is, it's an interesting challenge though because while it's true that you – there's more you can do that kind of opens up like mm-hmm. with, a, with a deeper sim – and depending on the exact design, there's also can be more that you just have to do. Yes. Right. Which then starts to take away creativity. And it's, there's some balance of that that you really need. Because I think the, a good example of that is, uh, is oxygen not included, mm. which you're just 
it's, it's such an intense simulation because you have to be monitoring everything all constantly because it's all about how much oxygen you have and how many toxic gases you have. Right. Everything is everything is interacting with everything else. So like you can't do one thing without there being some consequence, right? right? And all the consequences are additive and they all accumulate over time. And so you're you're basically just constantly racing to try to like keep the air clean and keep water flowing mm. and do all this stuff. And and that's and that's the entire point. That's like that's what there is to do. But because of because of that design, it basically crafting is completely coupled to with the survival. Yeah, yeah. To with survival. Like right. every, everything is just the same. You have thing. to. Right. You just have to. Right. And so now all of a sudden now, listen, it's actually, it doesn't feel like it's a, it doesn't feel like it gives you flexibility or like in a, in a place to have fun. Cause now it is just directly well, the you. Weight, yeah. The weight of the survival is so heavy that you have to, yeah. all the crafting goes into that. All of it goes right. into that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it's kind of, I mean, you can't even see in that game how you could like add stuff that wouldn't be that. Right. Right. Cause that's the whole design. So I think it is an interesting challenge of how do you make along that spectrum of, of sort of craftability and survivability in the context the of, of the sim, the of the yeah. sim is is there are there are these kind of tangled up in some way where where you get forced into certain kinds of designs depending on how deep the sim is or you know yeah you know, really interesting yeah hmm. very cool yes we could probably talk about this forever but yeah, we got not we, we gotta keep going <laughs> um all right so shenanicon it's that's coming uh september 28 1 to 5 p.m here in st louis in like five weeks or something yeah yeah coming up yeah uh, so what do we want to say about it? We're gonna have scuffle buddies there. Yeah, I did. got it up and running. It's crazy. Yeah, you but. played it. You said like this is something. something. <laughs> <laughs> it's playable. <laughs> yeah, scuffle buddies has a bunch of really interesting systems in it that uh, are yeah. all way too big. They're all way too big for the the scope of the game. But but they gave us a bunch of ideas again for you know a future crafting game. Yeah. Something. So if you wanted to ever see what's going on with scuffle buddies, if you want to maybe play it, we're gonna try to yeah, get, a get a demo station up. On top of that, we'll have we will have Crashlands in Levelhead uh, on some demo stations as well, and then of course the live podcast where you get to ask questions and some other fun activities and stuff. So uh, if if video games are of interest to you, or this studio is even remotely of interest to you, then definitely come by. It'll be a ton of fun, and I think we're selling through tickets pretty effectively at this point. So get you yeah, they always kind of ramp up as the date gets closer. They are ramping, so, so yeah. Of course, the it. day before, everybody's like, "Oh, wait a minute." I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah. yep. no, I think we're going to close tickets. Uh, when do we close ticket sales? I don't know. I don't know, actually. Day of. Just yeah. walk in. No, don't do that. No, we <laughs> no. have limited capacity. We don't sell them at the door. It's a, so, it's a, it's a deliberately small event, so we have limited capacity. Um, yep, so that's happening. Just go to meet.bscotch.net to get your tickets for Shenanicon. And then Adam and Sam are going to PAX Dev this week. Right now. Yeah. Like right after in we're done hours. recording this podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're super excited. I mean, Adam's going to be on a panel on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, which is talking about, was it AWS and tools? Dev? Uh, well, it's, it's basically, it's in effect sponsored by AWS. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it's not actually about AWS. Amazon web services. Amazon web yeah. services. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, so, the, so the, the, the guy moderating the panel is from Amazon game services. Gotcha. Um, I believe. And then everybody else on the panel is from, uh, different studios or from different consultancy groups who like help people figure out how to, how to, solve basically just solve uh tooling problems um inside of studios um so yeah so it's i think the title is something like uh tech hacks for small to mid-sized studios uh, or something like that you're feeling so you're gonna have a lot to say on this panel uh yeah i have i have, <laughs> I have plenty to say definitely so you are the uh web dev of the entire studio yeah Adam is our tech so, hack yeah the tech hack mm-hmm. uh, yeah so cool. i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a fun talk so if anybody's around i think it's I, 
can't remember what time. I think it's like Wednesday afternoon. It's one or two o'clock. Yeah, something Wednesday. like that. Um, so if anyone's at Pax Dev, you should attend and we can definitely chat afterwards. But otherwise, mm-hmm. if you're at Pax Dev, just tweet at us, I guess. Sam's probably yeah, going to monitor I'll, Twitter. I have it, unfortunately, okay. on my phone. And, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll let Sam take the bullet on that one. Yep. And, I'll just, uh, and then otherwise, we'll be we'll just be kind of hanging out for the first couple of days, uh, doing Pax Dev stuff, doing a few business meetings. Um and then on Thursday, we're in the pre-pack showcase at Xbox, so at the Microsoft HQ, which will be super fun. It's like a full day. It's going to be a, a long day. It's going to be a it's long be day. Long. I think uh, it's, isn't it like 10 to 10 or something? 8 to Or 8 10. to 8 or 8 to 10? Yep. Yeah. Fuck. It's going to be a long day. Take um, that prophylactic ibuprofen. Yep. All prophylactic day. everything. Yeah. I'm going to be swigging everything I can swig. <laughs> All the swigs. Yeah. And, then, um, and then on Friday, we have the Mix Showcase. The Mix is the Media Indie Exchange. And so they, basically what they do is they throw these really cool parties uh, essentially before a lot of different conventions. And so they, I know they just did their first one for Gamescom as well this year. Um, and so basically what it is is it's a curated set of basically really exciting and upcoming indie games. And then um, they give us a free booth as well as the you know the the lap the micro the uh, sorry monitor stand to to show on. So it's kind of like a mega booth. It's kind of yeah. like a mega booth, but it's a much more closed event, and so it's a lot yeah. of a ton of media turnout. Is basically the the, the point of it. Um, and then a small amount of uh, players are allowed in too. So it's supposed to be like a really How fun highly concert. I think you'd buy tickets or something. And you have to it's just like a lineup thing. Like okay, get there so at the door. Like- just a first come. Yeah. Okay. So that'll be on Friday night um, as well. So if anybody's going to that, we will see. Do you there. know where that is? Is that? I do not. Is okay. that some strange club? Yeah. Okay. But if you're going to that event just to play level head, you probably don't have to because you can just already you can just play go, it. Yeah. yeah. Just go get it on Steam. It's fine. <laughs> It'll probably cost you less just to go buy it on Steam. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> but if there's other games there you want to see that aren't there's available a ton of cool yet, stuff. then go to the yeah, If you want to try something like, I think there's like 50 games there. There's a lot of them. Yeah. There's 20 to 50. I can't remember. Or if you want to just bask. You know, in the glow. Yeah. yeah. But it'll probably cost less to go to that event to try all of those games than to buy all of those yeah. games. Well, the really fun thing about this is if you're is looking you know, for cost effectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always want to do things like exhibit at something like PAX or whatever else, but it just costs so much that we're always questioning. Well, it costs a lot financially, but also physically. Physically. Just the whole – it's very expensive across all of the well, – And this is, this is one of the first times we've, we've done one of these things where studio production isn't shutting down because – yeah. I'm staying back, yeah. so we're not sending the whole crew. Um, yeah. I'm staying back, yeah. and I'm just going to keep working on Level Head yeah, which this is week. Awesome. And Seth Great. is the bottleneck anyway, which means that – This will be nice for me. Well, can, it actually, it means that, that literally progress won't slow down. Yeah. Right. It'll go exactly it'll the same. Go exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> so speaking of Level Head, as far as the yeah. patch coming out. We got a patch got? coming. This is uh, patch 0.13, which means it's the 12th major patch mm. since the first one was 0.1. Right. Um, so we've got – Kind of like it's like a weird odds and ends thing. Mm-hmm. We had a discussion before we started playing this patch about how um, there's a lot of stuff that we really want to put into the game, but also there's a lot of stuff that we need to put in the game. Yes. And the stuff that we need to put in the game is, is things that are completely missing that we believe would prevent us from launch. reaching a full launch. Because yeah. once we have all those things in order, then we can launch whenever we want to. Yep. So um, we just keep adding stuff until we hit the launch date. Right. Just keep adding stuff until we're ready. So. Um, so this this patch, the big thing was uh, workshop cloud saving, which means taking – so we, we uh, put three slots in your workshop that are allocated as cloud save slots. And you can now drag things around in your workshop and reorder them and you can drag them into a cloud slot and now they're synced. Um, so you have to be online to edit those levels uh, and they can move between devices and all that stuff. So we've got a lot of people who have been – like trying, out some systems trying to it. find hacky ways to copy their levels across yeah. or like they'll publish it on one like into the marketing department and then go to another device and revert it back down. And like there's all kinds of weird stuff people are doing. So now you don't have to worry about that. 
Um, and the reason that we view this as a requirement is because when we launch, we're going to be launching on multiple platforms mm-hmm. and having everything shared across devices except for the stuff that you're building really sucks. Yep. Um, so – And the thing is it's been in the plan for a long time. It's just sort of as we've been shifting our mindset about where we need to be at in production to really be ready for any opportunity that might come, then we're like, OK, we need to, we need to solve this problem because it's probably the, one of the last things that needs to be done in order mm-hmm. to do something like a cross-platform launch. Right. So we're getting there. Um, and so – but we, we aren't – we're trying to avoid focusing solely on that because we did do basically like two whole patches of almost pure UI and web updates. Yeah, we'll uh, put more stuff in the game. So yeah, you we're know. we're trying to we're trying to now do a little bit more of a balance where we get some new stuff into the the gameplay as well as some of these required. So what do we got on that? So this time we got horizontal freaking doors. Everybody <laughs> wanting these day one. So all right, so why is this such a big deal? Because uh, this is something people have asked about for a long and time. These are just horizontal versions. They're of the doors just we horizontal have. versions of the doors we already have. Yep. Okay, so it sounds. Simple. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you think just like just, just rotate, rotate it. No. That's the problem. Because <laughs> for starters, the art on the doors is it's all oriented shaded. vertically, right? Yep. So like – and it's shaded in certain ways. So for example, the horizontal – or the vertical uh, battle door has a, like a skull head on it with an open mouth. Well – You don't want it to be sideways. You don't want that skull to be sideways, right? We need a whole new door for that. Um, same thing with the key the key card door. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want a weird sideways keyhole on the thing, yep. right? It's just odd. Um, or the the gem door. It has a little computer terminal. Well, guess what? That Why has, is it sideways? Right? So, it, so it actually is – Four completely new doors. Yeah. Um, it's the coin or the gem, the battle switch, the key, and the switch. Yeah. So, and they and they all required completely new. It's all, it requires different animation too, and different animations. Yep. So, so it was actually about like a nine-hour art project, right? So there was that. Yeah. Um, and then, but then the the request we always got for people is saying like, I want to rotate the doors, and something that people don't really think about in level head is that rotation is something that can only be applied to objects that are square, mm-hmm. right? Because that, because when you rotate a square, it doesn't change the space that it occupies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So we've also gotten requests for, for example, the fans to be able to be rotated. Right. People want to rotate a fan to point it sideways. The fans well, are two by one. Right. So if you rotate it, now it's one by two, which means as soon as you hit the rotate button, where does it go? It's going to destroy something, yeah. Yeah. right? It's going to like overwrite something and now you – that sucks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so really, rotated versions of non-square objects are actually just new objects. Yeah. They're just like a completely new thing that you have to place on your own separately. So um, so p- one of the prerequisites for horizontal doors was also this like item drop-down system yep. that we added a while back. So there was like a whole bunch of shit. Because at the beginning, people were just like, why can't I just rotate the doors? It's like, well – there's, there's a, every time you hear the word give just, us two weeks yeah whenever you hear the word weeks. just in game development just yeah but yeah, just but, sh- shudder you know? yeah but now that you know all those systems are there it was basically just an issue of getting the art uh built and then plugging those in right. um and they all, the only last bug was like figuring out because because the key cards were only built to handle horizontal doors so the physics of the keys had to be updated so that they could know whether they hit a vertical door because <laughs> right. they were only checking to the side yep. you know so there's all right, these right. like weird little layers and stuff uh, so we finally have that um, and then we also have this new which is funny too right it's like you, you don't think about the fact that rotating a door now changes key physics yeah, yeah. and increases increases the computational complexity of a key because right. now, now it's got to check up and check down up, yeah, gotta check you up can throw left right yeah this is what we talk about when we talk about like 
the cascade problem with any design change is that you might be like, oh, well, we, we just want to make this little change here. But to, in order to actually get that to happen, you have to change like seven different systems or add some new systems entirely. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on there. Yep. So we did it. Though. Mm-hmm. We got it. Horizontal got doors. So you better love those doors. <laughs> this also means if we want to add another door, uh, now we need a horizontal version of it. So now well, the other is more expensive. Yeah, yeah. So every time we make a door now, it costs more, right? Because there's more pieces involved. It's kind of like – Now we're going to be more resistant to adding doors. Mm-hmm. Straight yeah. up. So this is one of those weird costs of doing business. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. well, this, is the, this is the ratcheting fidelity problem, right? Which we talk about all the time, mm-hmm. which is anytime we also want to just make some some aspect of the game like better in some way or we want to add some new thing or, or say like Sam's working on his art and it gets better at some aspect of mm-hmm. the art or whatever. Uh, now we always have to ask the question like, well, what – do we have to go fix this by thing? making this better? What will now feel worse? Right. Yeah. Because now, we, now we've increased the expectation for what this thing is supposed to be like, and now, now if other stuff doesn't match, mm-hmm. right? If the if the complexity, so like let's say we add a new enemy with like really complex AI, now all the other enemies might feel weird because it's like now we basically have this like boss enemy all the mm-hmm. time, and then like all these. So so then what do we do? Right? Do yeah. we have to now change all the bosses to make that work, or 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 what? My so, favorite actually recent one was I asked Seth on uh, Friday last week. I was like, it'd be really cool if we had footstep sounds for gr18 oh yeah and that was, was like, like absolutely no not. way and i was like what why not why are you entertaining for everything he's like well now you need footsteps for everything because otherwise it'll just be really weird that gr18 is the only thing that makes a noise when it touches any surface and everything mm-hmm. else is totally silent yeah. right? and then every surface is going to need a sound right in a different so now sound, you've got really. goo you've got rocks you got yep. leaves yeah. you got and which means now you've got for your seven or whatever different enemies Plus GR18, yep. plus the package, plus springs, like all these things hitting surfaces, mm-hmm. you know. And now you're just going to have like a cacophony of noises because there's just yeah. stuff going on. So it's on. really just an all or nothing. Like yeah. either you've got sounds for things hitting surfaces or you don't. But you you, you don't really want to do it some of it part way. Get uncanny. Yeah. Um, so if you're ever wondering like why isn't this in the game, one of the answers might be that – that thing will actually come with a huge bundle of other requirements yeah. that you may not even have anticipated. And so we just are not even going to start mm-hmm. going down that path. And a good, and yeah. And, and a sort of a good culmination of all of that is something like real-time multiplayer. Right. Yep. Because that cascades into every everything in the game, including so every design choice about how the game works just as it is, every interface, every mm-hmm. – just every part of the experience now has to be yeah. overhauled to make And of course, work. once you have multiplayer, you want to be able to chat with people. You need a yeah. lobby. You mm-hmm. need a friend system. Like there's – you can't just – Jump into a game with people yeah. unless unless you do like Mario Maker where you can only play with random. Well, that's why they did it, right? <laughs> that's exactly, they did, did it because yeah, because the interface requirements to make a good yeah, multiplayer experience are yeah. huge. Yeah. So it's like, well, you can just unless say you've not. got it. Yeah, yeah. You know, do it random. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the last the last thing that I'm really pumped about, which what I'm excited about, is this new item for the level head that's coming in this patch. That there's basically two camps of people around this item. There's people who get it and people who have absolutely no fucking idea what the point of this yeah, thing is. I was in the latter camp. So I believe I still may be. So to me, this is a lot like <laughs> the relays, which we added a while back. And the relays take a signal from, from one or take a, uh, like a, yeah, I guess a signal yeah. from one channel and pass it to another channel. People have used the relays to make working calculators and all kinds of other stuff that wouldn't have really been very possible without them. Um, so the new thing we have is the weight switch, which is a switch that you flip it. And then after some time, it actually becomes active or it becomes inactive. So uh, you think about it like if you had a light switch in your house where instead of a switch, it was like a button, right? You press the button and then two seconds later, the lights flip, mm-hmm. right? On or off. So, Which, of course, you wouldn't want. You wouldn't want in that case. But, <laughs> but that's the functionality of it. Yeah. 
Um, so what a weight switch allows you to do is essentially have something happen later. Yep. That's all that that's all it is. That's all that it is. Mm-hmm. And what people have But been, as a consequence of something. So it's not just like it's not just like it's not like it's not like you start the level and then after two minutes something you happens. You could do that. You could, you could yeah. but yeah. it's not that that's what yeah. has to happen. Right. Um, so in order to have essentially it allows you to create timer systems. Yeah. And so what people have been doing up to this point is using all kinds of elaborate contraptions of conveyor belts with boxes on them with and pressure portals. plates yeah. and portals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, now you can just have a single item. You just set the timer on it and then it'll flip after a certain amount of time. Uh, you can also have them like explode after a certain amount of time. You can have them be reusable or locking. So like you can say, like, yeah, every time you hit this, it'll count down and then flip. Hit it again. It'll count down and flip back the other way, right? Countdown flip. Mm-hmm. Or you can have it lock where like you'll hit it. It'll only flip once. So there's all kinds of weird functionality for this thing. Um, but it's, it's, I think in a weird mental space for a lot of people until they get it because of the fact that we have another item called the temp switch. Yes. So a temp switch, you press a button and it turns on for a certain amount of time and then it turns back off again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tempor- it's a temporary switch, like turns on, turns off or off and then on depending. So the weight switch does nothing and then, and then flips yeah. permanently. And this is good, okay. but I think this goes back to the whole – the richness of the sim idea is like we actually have – Levelhood is extremely rich on the sim side, right? Which right. is why we're able to tap into a bunch of these little – these things that don't seem like they're even differences, right? Yeah. Like between yeah. those two items, you're like, what? Like it's hard to even just grok <laughs> They both it. have a timer. You hit a button. The timer counts down. Yep. You know. And then something mm-hmm. happens uh, or doesn't happen. Right. But, uh, but when, you, when you split that hair on these ones, then it actually opens up a lot of different really cool stuff for people to be able to do. So yeah. uh, the interesting thing about it is, is the switch and the relay or the weight switch as well as the relay were two items that, you know, usually we like to build campaign levels around these items. But I looked at this and I was like, I don't care like it's, <laughs> it's about waiting mm-hmm. that's yeah. the whole thing and like yes i could build like a you know a particular sort of contraption level about it um but this is not the sort of thing that requires it's really more about building all building interesting logic yes. behind the scenes in your level yeah. in a lot of cases and which so, a lot of the campaign content is not oriented around that sort of aspect yeah, of the, the, the campaign is more about introducing people to the the core sort of like gameplay yes. physics like mechanics yeah, yeah. If, how are you jumping on stuff throwing things around yeah like, so this one as well as well as the horizontal doors we're like no it's fine we'll just throw them all in put it in that. you got it now yeah. the end mm-hmm. so that's yeah. that's all coming this week um which is kind of funny too because it's like it's like the, the horizontal doors nobody needs to be taught how those work correct temp switches like various switches we can't teach anybody how those work mm-hmm. so those, those are the two <laughs> kinds of things that go into the yep. oh, whatever you're just gonna have this pool yep. yeah and and i mean what'll happen with the weight switch is like people will we'll put it in there and there'll be a flurry of people over the first week coming into the discord being like what, what the fuck <laughs> like, how do i use this basically happened with the relays right yep um, and then you've got some players who just figured it out and then they're, they start teaching other people yeah. different tricks yeah. you can do. And- well, it's kind of, I mean, you see this stuff with like, you know, the redstone in Minecraft mm-hmm. or the switch or the, the wiring system in Terraria. So with, with, with the, with the wiring system in Terraria, you can do all kinds of really cool shit. I just play a lot more Terraria than Minecraft. So that's mm-hmm. why I think of that. Yeah. But, um, but like, I wouldn't know how to do any of it off the gate. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even come up with the ideas out of the gate until yeah. I just like saw some other reference somewhere else where somebody talks. So. So even the things where like you can wire up the statues that you collect and then if yep. you send a pulse to them, then they Spawn. shoot out something, yep. you know, and you can then use these to build contraptions. There's like there's a whole yeah. idea of like the a game crab does switch. not tell you it's like yeah, this stuff. any of this. There's a, there's a crab switch, which is just a thing that spawns crabs that just run back and forth on switches because they just are constantly activating yeah. them. Right. They can then use to the like power. Switch. Yeah. You can use that to then power <laughs> some other thing that requires lots of impulses to make yep. it do something. 
And, uh, and, so, <laughs> and so people just come up with these really clever so you're building things. machines out of all the different yeah. physics. Yeah. And it doesn't, and the, the cool thing is, is just like with programming is uh, you can come in as a novice, not know how to do anything or even know how to think about it at all. And, so, and where you can see these things and be like, I don't understand why this is even mm-hmm. useful. And then you can have some things revealed to you. You, know, you see some contraptions out in the wild or you, you watch a, a YouTube tutorial or right. whatever, and you start to then get a little bit of a glimpse of, oh, okay. Like I, I see how, how this works, works in this context. Yeah. And then, and then with more and more of that exposure, just like with programming, you start to be able to see new, entirely new solutions and entirely new problems mm-hmm. that now you can go solve using that same thing. But there's, there's that lag time though, where you have to see a lot of it uh, yeah. and be exposed a lot before you can do it. And those people who are, who use this stuff right out of the gate and get it are the people who have been doing the same kind of stuff in other games that allow for this kind of stuff. Or their job. Or their programmers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. people who like, who are just constantly thinking in this kind of way already yeah. anyway. Yeah. It really is actually a lot of times programmers who figure this stuff out first yeah because they kind of have a, a well, general yeah, sense of like people who make mods and yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then they yeah then they start creating guides and things and ways for yeah. for novices to learn it so I'm, I'm excited about all that stuff um and then, all right industry news there's two things uh one real quick is Kerbal space program 2 launched their cinematic oh my god the trailer don't even so know good. what's in this game but i am all right here's the deal we talked i think last week or two weeks ago about the the lossy compression problem of marketing which is that yeah. it's really hard to fully communicate in the context of a game, which is an experienced good. In other words, you can't tell how good it is until you're actually like in it. Uh, it's really hard to market in the sense that you can't quite always capture what that feeling is like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you can't, the ways- you can't capture the true experience. Exactly. It's really the, the coastline problem. Yeah, right? it like, really is. Yeah. You're zoomed out yeah. when you're watching a trailer. And so in the case of – this is why you know game cinematics, some people have like asked questions like, why would you make a game cinematic? And the reason is actually sometimes the game cinematic is closer to the truth, the yeah. sort of capital T truth of the game than actually showing than gameplay. gameplay is, yeah. Right? Although so, I would say given how most people do their cinematic trailers, I think that's rarely true in practice. Sure. Yeah. I think in theory it can be. Yeah. And in this case – In Kerbal Space Program, is. this new trailer, you should definitely go check it out just even as a marketing exercise. Even because, if you never played Kerbal Space Program. Because you watch it and you understand what this game is yeah. all about. Like it is a, it is a beautiful sort of nailing of, of what the idea is. And so it's just this, it's this one, it's got the phenomenal score. It's all this like beautiful space shots. Mm-hmm. And then this just feels so epic. And then this combination of seeing these goofy Kerbals uh-huh. kind of clonking around. And, and then, then every beautiful shot is paired with some disaster. Yep. Yeah. So they're and like, we, we actually, and the disasters are in the background. Oh, yeah. it's like, cause it, cause the disasters don't really matter. You yep. know, it's like, it's but they are of, happening, but they are happening all the time. <laughs> It's phenomenal. Well, and what they what they do a great job of in the trailer too is if you pay attention to the the progression of shots, it's the, mm-hmm. you know it opens up with with a moon landing, which is the first thing that you're gonna like the first big do, thing yeah. that you're gonna achieve, yeah. right? It goes to moon landing, then it sh- then it cuts back to showing a rocket being assembled, you know, and then the rocket takes off, and it's like okay, I, like this is a game about building rockets. They landed on the moon, and then as the shots progress, the rockets start looking cooler. And mm-hmm. they start going to other planets, and mm-hmm. then they start going like between solar systems. And now they've got colonies. a rover, and now they've got a colony. And so, and but like mm-hmm. every time they show a shot where something has progressed, something's also exploding. Like, <laughs> yes. Something is falling over. Something is somebody's being stranded. Yep. A, one thing smashing into another. But they just keep moving forward, you yeah. know. And yep. it's like it's just such a perfect encapsulation of nails. Of the game. Space it program. just nails yeah. it. Absolutely beautiful. So. Apparently, yeah. So I don't know what's all going to be in here because the, the trailer doesn't show anything, and so all we've heard is like is hints about what's so there's going to the be multiplayer. Be. There's going to be interstellar travel, yep. colonies. Oh my god, it's going to be but like what does that mean? I don't yeah, know. What does it mean? Like what does but, it mean to play this game in multiplayer? Like, I'm, I'm like is it an MMO yeah. or is it like? Well, I mean, I'm like, yeah. what is it going to mean? I don't the know. interstellar travel is going to be weird because, of course, 
it already is the case that just to travel to the edges of the solar system in current. current I, I've, space, I've right? still never moved out of. I've still never landed on another planet. And yeah, and the original. Well, because it takes like a month or two. Yeah, to fly there. <laughs> like yeah. you, you can fast forward the game, but you can actually only fast forward it. You can fast forward it to like a hundred thousand times normal speed. And if you're going to the very edge of the solar system to sort of like the Pluto equivalent, mm-hmm. you know, it takes years. Yeah. Like it takes 12 years or something to get out there. Of real time. So if you're just playing the game in real time the whole time, it would literally take yeah. 12 years. So, so you got to fast forward to 100,000 X and you're still just watching the rocket just slowly creep its way across yeah. the solar system. So I'm thinking like interstellar travel, like they're going to have to have some kind of like tech tree. Yep. Yeah. Where you can do warp speed. But I love this idea though that just, just like with, with real like NASA travel, because if you think right now we've got these, we've got these satellites right now that were launched because like what are the ones, there's like the Voyagers, right? Yeah. Like they're out beyond quote unquote our solar system because mm-hmm. like that's an arbitrary boundary right but but they're now just like out so fucking far and those things were launched in the 70s I want to say yeah like a long long time ago it takes them 30 years to get out there yeah. 40 years yeah. yeah it's been 30 or 40 years and then and in the meantime we've launched all these other things like had these little had these other things that have happened we have the and internet. when NASA's planning stuff it plans multiple missions at once and, and includes a time scale as part of that thing right so they're like okay we're gonna we're gonna launch this thing it's gonna take seven years to land on this asteroid or whatever right so like we're going to launch this thing now. And then like, now that thing's gone. We just like, and then it just, just kind of goes it. into sleep mode. Yeah. You yeah. just kind of ignore it for seven years. Then you come back and curl space program. You can do the same thing where mm. it's really easy to get kind of focused on like the one task you're trying to accomplish. So like, say you want to go to Pluto or something like Pluto equivalent. And so you just like, you just zoom up time. You just like watch it. Right. But you really could in principle, you could play this game generally in real time, like most of the time like and be like doing missions, constantly doing all kinds of shit. And then literally 12 years from now, <laughs> Get your alert. All of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, I got like my my probe yeah. made it to Pluto, right? Yeah. And, and it's now it's old as shit, like yes. re- relatively. Yeah. You've like you've you've completed the entire rest of the tech tree. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, it's well, like, what it I was, so good. Well, and the other weird thing about this, of course, is like if you think about this in the in real technological terms, it's like if we do end up get it, developing some kind of a drive that allows us to very efficiently continually accelerate, not like a faster than light drive, but just like a really fuel efficient way to yeah. keep accelerating, right? Yeah. Then we might pass the Voyager. That's yeah. true. You know, like, <laughs> like some new ship built like a hundred years from now yeah. is gonna just go past the yep. Voyager. Mm-hmm. And it's just gonna Maybe they'll pick it up. Yeah, they pick it up. <laughs> take it with us. Find it, bring it back home. It's like an artifact. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, Someone's be, gonna yeah. go get it. Uh yeah. So yeah, in a few hundred years, we might end up with the Voyagers back on Earth. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, and then other big news is Classic WoW launches today. Yeah. The day we're recording the podcast. Which means probably a lot of people are taking off work this week, I imagine. Yep. It yeah. definitely happened. Uh, and that was a mistake because you should have taken off next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Servers going to be down. They are overflowing. So I think they had like 12 servers. I think they're opening up eight more today because every single server is not, Completely just, not just full, but like thousands of people in queue. And this is not to play the game. This is to reserve your name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like you can reserve your name on a server at any time uh, starting two weeks and ago. And they're not, they're not charging extra for this or this is part of your normal. No, that's just right. Yeah. yeah. So this is, the, yeah. So there's no, people have already passed the, the payment barrier. Yeah. So there's you, already 10 million people. Yeah, you who can just get into game. the character selection. Yeah. Like that's where you, get you can, it. you can make your character and make your name and do absolutely nothing. And, are and they, there are cues. Are they using the old, <laughs> for yeah, are they using the old character models too? Oh, all everything's, old, okay. everything looks like shit. Like awesome. it just, it looks like garbage. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Uh, 
Uh, did yeah. you reserve a spot? Are you? I did, but I but I like, probably jump on the new it's, server. Yeah, it's so. probably going to be the case that the server that I picked is because we. I was You're talking to get the newest server. Yeah, I was talking with my guild and I'm like, yep, here's the server we're going to be on because there's all kinds of dynamics now that didn't exist back in the day. Which a big one is the streamers. The yeah. streamers pick a server and then all of a sudden their group of thirty thousand fans want to play with them, yeah. and now yeah. all of a sudden that server collapses. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like that, that person now sort of like ruins everything because everywhere they go, they've just got an army. Yep. <laughs> so people can't, people can't quest in that zone. Uh, people like world PVP. So oh, player versus so player combat becomes just like this steamrolling death yep. squad yep. that just follows this streamer around. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you really need to pit streamers against like, like right. equal size streamers. And so that's, so that's kind of what's happening like is like streamers are now like a fiefdom. Yeah, so streamers are now picking certain <laughs> servers and they're like rolling in opposite factions of each other so that they can uh, do battle with have their, their small fans armies. To, to fight the other fans. Yeah. Uh, is there server architecture to be handled that for that? Because even, I don't know, even the design of the game like wasn't wasn't oh no it, it wasn't it was designed this. around this and yeah. therefore presumably isn't optimized for that kind of oh, thing. Oh no, no. Um, and they they have they have cut some things out. Like it used to be the case that every time you died, you would leave a skeleton. I don't know if you remember yeah. this. So so and those skeletons would linger. I think until like server reset. Like they would just yeah, they just, just, just be there. They just be there for like a week. So yeah. you would die in the jungle, and you would die over here, die over there, and you're There's just like skeletons leaving everywhere. skeletons. Awesome. And so if you went to a zone where there was a big <laughs> PvP yeah. battle at some point in the past in couple bones. of days, it's just a okay, yeah, just like thousands of skeletons yeah, everywhere. Awesome, though. yeah, it's it great. great, and it kind of like gave this interesting sense of like shit went down, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, and it kind of like puts you on edge where like you're trying to like get your little bear skins or yeah. whatever. And meanwhile, <laughs> there's you're just like ever. stepping over the corpses of a thousand yeah. fallen people. Um, but they've updated that so you only leave behind one skeleton That's just because like i assume because of these kinds of things i mean yeah. your server lies there's got to be a cost for having all those skeletons oh, yeah, a lot definitely. of skeletons yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um yeah so I, what i'm really interested about i love the idea is, of like of your your game hitching because i had to download the list of where all the skeletons are <laughs> Skele- so many bodies. skeleton physics just haven't really caught up <laughs> um but yeah i think what's interesting about all this is is just it i'm curious to see what an effect this has on both the population and on the design of the modern version of the game, mm. you know, because if it, if it turns out that the one thing that was able to truly take down WoW is, is just wow. old WoW, <laughs> um, then that I think says something about the design direction and kind yeah. of brings into question, like, what can you do about the modern version of the game to make people as excited about the current state of the game as they are about how it right. used to yeah. be? You know, and that's assuming, of course, that once people have played old wow that they actually like the experience right because yeah. it's, it's not going to be for everyone no it's, it's not it's going to be a real slog <laughs> <laughs> so what i'm um, most excited about is actually uh because the context around the game has shifted completely yes uh, like you said with the streamers with youtube media, facebook none of those things existed exactly then, and so, so what i'm what i'm most curious about is the lessons that might come from being able to put these things next to each other in parallax so we're talking about a time now that's 10 years apart 15. Mm-hmm. 15 years apart. Yeah. But with the exact same product. And so to be able to see the difference. Yeah, just like what that. Right. Because people say like means. people are different now. The market has changed. The mm-hmm. context has changed. People's expectations have changed. And you can't just launch a game like this and mm-hmm. and have people actually enjoy it. But so my question is like, but also when it comes to the just like general culture of of these online gaming spaces, is it the case that it's that it is something that becomes as what felt like very positive for most people in terms of how they interacted with the game? where it felt like this really weird kind of small town vibe? Um, or is it the case that there's a lot of toxicity now? Is it mm-hmm. the case that like streamers just 
start getting swatted all the time when they're trying to do raids and stuff. Like, is it is something weird? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is, has the nature of it shifted so much that what was actually one of the core elements of the fun going to not literally not be possible? I, um, I think it's my my prediction is that it's going to be pretty similar to what it was mm-hmm. uh, because the design of the game systems uh, push people into social interactions in certain ways. Yeah, you know. And uh, it forces cooperation. Yeah, I think the main thing is going to be the organizational scale Yeah, in terms of because it used to be so hard to organize people, you know, and like yeah. get, get, and to like thinking back to the early 2000s, being able to, to bring together 10,000 people under one banner yeah. of any sort. Right. Like in any context, yeah, real life very hard virtual, to do. Yeah. It was very hard to do. And now there are streamers who can just like who can do it with a tweet, yeah. you know, Um so, so to me, I think that's where all the really interesting stuff is going to come mm-hmm. from is, is this idea that this whole like winner take all thing that has happened right on the internet. Yeah. Uh, wasn't, hadn't happened yet. Right. Um, things were a lot more distributed. This was back in the days when people would talk about the internet is like, oh, it's like a new democracy. Yeah. Like everybody has a yep. voice. And so now we realize yep. like six people have a voice. <laughs> right. The rest of us <laughs> yeah. are just kind of shouting into the void, yep. you yeah. know? Yeah. So I think that's the part that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Be curious. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Let's get on to some questions. Let's do it. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest question, highest upvoted question, mm. maybe the highest question, <laughs> comes from Quantum Anomaly, who says, is Nietzsche's niece's niche knowingly knitting gnarly knots or not? Mm. I think yeah. if you're knowingly knitting gnarly knots, you're probably not. Well, you're, I mean, if you're, if you're knitting gnarly knots, you're probably not knowingly doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely not. Because you're some sort that? of avant-garde yeah. artist, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I think that's 100. That's a fair. If it is, if we're talking about Niji, though, like that's true. Niji's niece is probably it's out probably there. Out. Yeah, a little out there. So I'm going to go with yes. Okay. Take context into account. That's so fair. she's yep. knitting the knots knowingly. Yeah. That's my. That's my vote. Why would you knit knots? I don't know. You can just tie them. That's a good point. It's very strange. <laughs> but <laughs> that's uh, what I'm saying. Is is knitting a knot? Is it like 3D printing a knot? Basically, you know how you can like 3D print these things that are really hard to put together because you just print oh, yeah. the things in, in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a much a knot, better knot. Yeah, if you just knit a knot, can't you do the same thing? It's probably better. Yeah. Because knitting is just 3D printing, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right. Next question comes from Flatpla Howlier. <laughs> <laughs> is that a randomly generated one? Yeah, that's a rumpus random that's name. A hard to pronounce one. Seth, in a past episode, you mentioned that you have solar panels on your roof. I'm really interested in making my house eco-friendly and sustainable. Can you talk about your experience buying and installing solar panels? Ooh. We should say it's going to depend a lot by your municipality. Yeah. And like a lot. Other things. And a bunch of other things. So uh, at the time, there was a federal tax rebate for – uh, eco-friendly things like solar panels. Yeah, now I think you can only get rebates if you are polluting. Yeah, I think you get punched I, yeah. in the face. So what you're going to want to do, yeah, start careful. a corporation. Yep. That's yep. going to give you all the tax rebates you'll ever need Boom. for the rest of your life. <laughs> uh, you could do anything you want, you're going to get those tax rebates. <laughs> Can't go to jail, just get free money. I'm pretty sure that uh, those tax rebates don't exist anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm pretty That's sure. true. You know, because there might, screw there the earth. Be, there might be some. I well, again, I think it's going to depend on state. Check into it. Okay. State-wise, city-wise. There's, there's a yeah. huge – like there's there's going to be no one-size-fits-all approach yeah. to this, yeah. definitely. Uh, I will say were it not for the rebate, at least at that time – this was in 2016. If it wasn't for that, it would have probably been not a good like cost benefit. Oh, yeah. Way prohibitively expensive. Um, I, I think with that, it, it turned out to be like pretty good in terms of on balance of how much uh, like money saved versus spent on the on – the, uh, panels, but yeah, I think the deal is something like you would after ten years you'd b- break even or something like that. Is that what you yeah, calculated? Yeah. Um, and they last for about twenty years or something like that. 
Uh, and interestingly, they're apparently, depending on which solar panels you get, they can be more resilient than r- roof shingles. Yeah. And so if there's like it a light. Increases the repair cost. Of yeah, like a light hailstorm, something like that. Like it actually kind of protects a chunk of your roof. Um, Andy. Yeah. And so there's other stuff to do, though. So uh, one of the things that we're doing, we actually have to replace our roof, which is great. And, that, and actually having solar panels increases the cost of replacing your roof because now you have to have. Roofing companies don't want to touch solar panels because yeah. they'll get electrocuted. So, yep. fair. So, so instead, come out. Yeah. So instead, you'll have to have the solar panel company who worked with you on them remove them, and then the roofing company comes, replaces your roof, and then the solar people come and put, put the solar on. panels. Yeah, back we should on. say that the the fact that you're getting your roof replaced is unrelated to the fact you have solar panels. It correct? is. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Although the solar panels definitely highlighted some issues with our roof, <laughs> uh, yeah. and so. But there's there's other stuff like we're getting we're replacing our roof with white shingles mm. because dark shingles surprise absorb a shitload of heat yeah. from the sun yeah, yeah, and yeah. basically cook your house yeah. right um, and so so we're getting white shingles and that's gonna like cut down on nice. AC usage and stuff like that so it's, really I think a lot of it is just about uh, kind of anytime you reach a point where you may, you're going to be making a decision about some new thing to get yeah. like when we got a lawnmower we got an electric mower instead of a gas mower like you anytime slowly shift over yeah, light bulb you, goes out put an LED up yeah yep. so like you don't need to you know drop a bajillion dollars like overhauling everything at once but just anytime you reach one you will if you buy solar panels yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> although you can actually finance them That's in true, most yeah. cases mm-hmm. so uh, yeah so like anytime you hit one of these inflection points then just think like is there a way that I can do this but in a better way so we also like my mm-hmm. wife's car was on its last legs and so we traded it in and we got the chevy volt mm-hmm. which is uh it goes 60 miles electric which means we she hasn't actually put a single drop of gas in it for like four months now mm-hmm. yeah which is crazy but well, i have a different kind of concern though which is like when does this gas go stale yeah and, that, <laughs> yeah, and now we're worried about that like maybe we should burn it at some point just to make sure yep. that it doesn't go bad you know the expiration date on the gas um, yeah, so it, I think that's really just the attitude to take. You've had some interesting experiences there because you you learned that you can't actually disconnect from the grid legally, at least in St. Louis, at least in St. Louis or Missouri, right? So well, you can't just have your little self enclosed. Well, yeah, we we had this you know thought that I'm sure anybody would have if you got your own power generator of some kind of thinking like, ha, huh, next time there's a blackout, I'm gonna have power. No, you're not because in most cases, uh, you are not allowed to put power back onto the grid. Because when people are trying to repair downed power lines yes. or whatever, they're supposed to be able to expect that, that, they're down. that it's dead. Yeah. Right? Yep. So if random people are just pumping juice in at random points yeah, in the you power grid. Electrocuting random yeah, but also the, also the grid has to be managed very carefully to make sure that power is being allocated properly and there's enough of it, et cetera. Yeah. And so if you have unknown, unpredictable power supplies just coming in sporadically, then yeah, it gets really problematic. Yeah. So it's weird because like we're generating no power, but if the power plant goes down. I mean, I think if you wanted to be, I think if you wanted to be completely off grid, as in like you couldn't, you couldn't get power from the grid. Yeah. Then then maybe you could do that. But if you want to be able to have your cake and eat it too, then you can't. Mm -hmm. Yep. Nothing you get to do. So, uh, but yeah, overall, it's been a good experience. And it was very easy. I mean, if you work with a company that like there, there are companies everywhere that do this and they have all kinds of financing options, stuff like that. And the coolest thing was uh, the company that we worked with had people come into our house and they were like, here's the deal. You're going to get solar panels because you want to like save on your energy bills and stuff. And that's fine. But if your house isn't properly insulated and set up for this, yeah, the then well, there's no point. Right. Yeah. So they went through top to bottom and just insulated the shit out of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found all kinds of weird random 
sort of like holes that led to the outside. You had a weird hole in your There was basement. a hole that went like, there was like a vent in the attic that went to the outside, came down, and then there was like an open wall that went under the sink, and there was just like- Just air. Just just hot air, cold air, whatever, just coming in through under the sink. Maybe creatures. <laughs> maybe creatures yeah. in there. Who and knows? so like there's all these weird stuff that might be in your house that you don't really know is there, and that and that you can do all kinds of stuff to try to save power, but really if like if random hot air is just yeah. pumping into your house, then you're yep. kind of, you're lost. So it's kind of a holistic thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway- uh, that's all I have for But that. also, curtains help a lot. Yes. I mean, curtains. I think, I think there's literally, curtains are unbelievable. Yeah, I think there's literally nothing you could do in most cases to improve both just how comfortable your house is uh, and how cheap your electricity bill is than just putting up really good blinds. Mm-hmm. So you don't have just hot sun baking yeah. into Windows, your- I think like – because no matter what you do, then you've got these big pans of glass, you know, that yeah. are just yeah. like – just conducting heat. Just heat's just flying right through it, right? Heat or cold is just flying right this through This part is like a hot summer day. If you put your hand between the blinds, oh, yeah. you can yeah. just, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, there like, it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not coming in here yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff you could do. It doesn't have to be solar panels, but, you know, just a little bit at a time. Uh, next question comes from Gua. Do you believe that any press is good press? Or to be more precise, do you think that for a game, negative press is still better than no press at all? I think – Press doesn't seem to have much of an impact on your sales, to be honest. Kind of goes the other way, maybe. What do you mean? Well, once you have a lot of sales, then the press is like, let's talk about this. Yeah. 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 So and I, I think, think in that context, then then bad press can be good press because yeah. the only reason that press are talking about anyway is because you're already important. Yep. And and that means people already want what you're selling. Mm-hmm. And therefore people will double down if they want what you're selling and people say bad things about it. Yep. So I think in that context it's probably generally going to be true yeah i think but it does depend a lot on the kind of badness you know like it does because if you just say if like if, if all the bad things are basically like this oh even then maybe not because no because what ends up happening then is some company does something terrible everybody's like you how dare you and the company's <laughs> like oh my god i am so sorry uh-huh. and everybody's like okay fine we forgive you We'll give you one more chance. And during that whole process, yep. there's articles and press Constant, conferences mm-hmm. and like people are just talking about this company the whole fucking time. You know? Although it has been pretty rare that a company really apologized. Yes. You know? Correct. No, yeah. That, they never would. But yeah. they'll they'll quote apologize. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll, uh, they'll issue an apology statement. Of some yes. sort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, th- I don't know. And I if they do a bad job of that, then all people can talk about is this company's yeah. apology and how terrible it was. But yeah. they're still talking about it. Then. Yeah. I think a lot of this has to do with scale, right? Yeah. Which is that if you're if you're already really big, um, and you do something really dumb and terrible, then probably that's bad. But also, probably it also doesn't matter that much because the truth is the press just doesn't reach the press. Actually, does not penetrate your player base particularly yeah. effectively. You know, I mean, that's what everyone's been talking about is that the the, the press want to write about stuff that people already want to read. Yes. Because uh, it's it's not the job of a gaming uh, website or whatever to like create news. Mm-hmm. They want to report on things that people already find newsworthy. Well, I mean, it's, it's the same as like any news, right? Like news news isn't created by news people, you know. Yeah, they just pass it along. They just pass yeah. it along. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that's kind of an interesting question. What have we been? kind of chewing on ourselves. Well, it, the problem is there's the assumption at the base of it that the press matters in some way for the for your game. Mm-hmm. And it does, but in a roundabout way. And so I, I can't imagine – I imagine if you got a, a bunch of bad press, like a bunch of bad press, then I think you would have problems, but not with your player base. I think you'd have problems with the platform holders. Yeah. Because like they're going to be like – They don't want to be associated with you. Yeah. And yeah. If you're like being misogynist and racist or mm-hmm. something publicly, then yeah, people are going to be like, Well, actually, this was, this was what uh, Grand Theft Auto did. 
hmm. when the first Grand Theft Auto was made, um, oh, yeah. there was a lot of hesitance about like reporting on this game because of potential issues with, you know, in this game, you're doing a lot of really bad shit. Yeah. Right. And so Rockstar ended up, if, if the legends are true, it is true. Rockstar yeah. ended up sending their, sending demo copies of their game deliberately to, uh, those conservative outlets. Yeah. To like to news organizations that they knew would be so pissed off about yep. it. Yep. Because they're like, they don't, because like a gaming website may not want to write about a game that they think is going to like come back and, like mm-hmm. if if they say oh this game is great but then it like turns full out, of murder <laughs> turns out it's like full of all kinds of horrible shit yeah. then like that maybe doesn't look good on them right uh, so then if if instead you send it to people who will talk about it period even if all they have to say is horrible things at least they're talking about but it, it was but it's not I don't think it's just that though because I don't think it's that they're talking about it. I think it's that you basically have now faction warfare right yeah which right. is like, which side are you yeah, on it's like it's like yeah. it's like when a it's like when a Christian group bans a book. Yes. Right? Now all of a sudden, everybody's going to go buy that book. Right? Like, yeah, because, there must be something juicy in there. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's, a, it's a piece of faction warfare, right? That, that's all it is. And it's also people. It's also people. Yeah, and it's also people want to, wanting to stick it to people who are like who they feel are now managing them, right? And getting like, yeah, nobody wants to let somebody else decide what you get to, mm-hmm. you know, have or not have right. or whatever. And so, so the, the forbidden fruit tastes the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's more a lot more of that than it is even that. Yeah. So in this context, it wasn't actually it wasn't bad press. Period. Because what it was is they created – they threw fire onto faction warfare, yeah. right? That made it so that people who who were upset who, – who get upset by one group of people saying what you – this is like you can't have this. This is inappropriate or whatever. They're like, I'm going to go have this, you know? Right. Like, and, and, and given that, our, that at least the population of the United States is literally half and half of each of those kinds of people, right? Then like if you just want half of all people <laughs> – That's a pretty good States, amount. That's a pretty good amount of people. <laughs> right. Uh, then you just you, if you can create that warfare, yeah. and of course this is, this is how the news works too, right? This, mm-hmm. this is why the news is so useless and so effective at making money and so effective at splitting up the country is because it makes more money that way. It does, yeah, it that's good, yeah. It's yeah. very yeah. effective. We, we, we had the conversation a while back about how if you ever ask the question like, why is this, in, you know, terrible thing this mm-hmm. way? The answer is generally, well, it makes more money that yep. way. Yeah. So I guess yeah, this is like, another one of those. Yeah, yeah. it just makes more money. I mean, I've even noticed because like. So Riot's been in the news a bunch, right, with their basically gender discrimination lawsuits and some really mm-hmm. crazy stuff that they were doing. Um, has it affected their player base? No. No. Has it affected their sales? I would imagine absolutely not. Has no. it affected – But their, but their, their, their player th- base is always famous for its toxicity. True. Yeah. Right? But so has their like, player base is probably like, nice. Right? <laughs> right. Has, but, uh, has it affected their uh, talent acquisition? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because people are not like, oh, yeah, I would love to go work in a toxic like work environment. Yeah. Um, but some people do want to. Well, because I, because I, the kind of toxicity that it is is the kind of place that they actually maybe but I think probably less than that it's more so that that you know if you want to get a getting a job in the, a job in the game industry is hard enough that yeah. if even if you got a shot at a place like Riot most people go do it especially especially with the public image that they're trying to put on which is like we're trying to make amends you know, we're trying to do all this stuff like I think most people if that's one of your first shots or even you know a later shot where you get a big a big uh, ability to do something of interest in the gaming space and mm-hmm. yeah you would still take it you yep. know and so I think that's that's the interesting part about it is. Most things don't matter that much. They don't matter that much, yeah. but I think, you know, importantly, you see that the the reporting, that the bad press that was all, actually all about right, did make something happen, right? It did, yeah. So I think there's there's degrees of it. I think when it when it hits your player base, I think it probably doesn't matter too much. I think when it hits your company yeah. in a really real way, then yeah, it 100% matters uh, in a really bad way. Like you shouldn't – obviously, you don't want yeah, to – I mean, I, I, I think No Man's Sky is such an interesting it's example so good. of this because – It's a good case study. Because like basically what they do is they've, they've turned a – 
huge amount of bad press into a redemption story. Oh, yeah. You know? So now it's like – The fans bought them a sign. Did you see that? They bought them a huge sign that's like outside their office now that says thank you, like thank you to the dev team. <laughs> yeah. For sticking it Because it's, like it's like all these fans uh, believed in the vision of the game. Right. And of course, none of that really came to pass when they bought the game. A uh, huge amount of negative reviews, like only 30% positive on Steam around launch. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, and to their credit, like I for Hello Games, like I can't imagine weathering that, weathering that Holy and shit, deciding yeah. to stick. Because like I would have just been like, I'm just going to, I'm going to cut just gonna and run. sneak out of the back door. This didn't go as planned. Yeah. Get a new identity. But yeah, I mean, yeah. But, they, but they turned it into a scenario where now all of a sudden all people could talk about was how bad No Man's Sky was. And now all they can talk about is how cool it is that they turned it around into something good, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But the whole time, people are talking about it. So. And I haven't got to play the newest update yet, but apparently it is the thing that finally makes the game like what it was supposed, what it was supposed to be. It may also be the thing that makes VR worth having. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, because it has VR. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I still haven't even bought it. I, every every time it goes on sale, I'm like, is this the time now? Because every time it goes on sale, I know it's gotten better since the last well, this time. This is the funny thing about ARC because I bought ARC. Apparently, I bought it in 2016. I didn't even know I had it. <laughs> I was like, well, on Saturday, we were going to go play it. I was like, oh, man, I want to shell out like 60 bucks for this. I kind of bought did. Like, a $60 game. So long. And then, yeah, and then I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, which just makes I sense. I have one of the right? DLCs. When did I buy it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't this. Maybe it was part of a bundle or something. Because I can't imagine you having this game. I can't imagine you having this game, having never played it, and then see that a DLC came out. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get. There was probably like a steep discount on. Maybe maybe when they launched a DLC or something, there was like a big discount. It might have been. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) that's all time we have for this week. Adam and Sam have to get on a plane and get out of here. So. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators to keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. And also, of course, go to meet.bscotch.net to get your Shenanicon tickets. Yeah, yeah. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.